Our high school guidance counselor used to ask us what you would do if you had a million dollars. Didn't have to work. And then invariably, whatever you'd say, that was supposed to be your career. So if you wanted to fix old cars, then you're supposed to be an auto mechanic. So what did you say? I never had an answer. I guess that's why I'm working at Inatech. No, you're working at Inatech because that question is bull to begin with. If everyone listened to her, there'd be no janitors because no one would clean up if they had a million dollars. If I had a million dollars. If I had a million dollars. Talking about millions of dollars. What would you do if you had a million dollars? I'll tell you what I'd do, man. Two chicks at the same time, man. We're living in a material world and I am a material girl. Or boy. Well, what about you now? What would you do? Besides two chicks at the same time? Well, yeah. Nothing. Nothing, huh? I would relax. I would sit on my ass all day. I would do nothing. Well, you don't need a million dollars to do nothing, man. Take a look at my cousin. He's broke, don't do If I had a million dollars, if I had a million dollars. Hello, Jackson Jacks. I'm Tom Allen, Andrew on the board. A little late this morning, combination of a nasty weather in the city and uh, uh, our new Zoom stuff that allegedly will be all fixed tomorrow. We have an engineer coming in. I don't know if it'll be fixed, but at least we'll have a, a plan to get this all together in a way that'll be... We're very enthused by the fact that everything comes in a lot clearer, and we've got a lot of people been nice enough to write and say, wow, they like the people on the Zoom, so we're going to try and maintain the quality increase while, uh, while, while pick, picking up the convenience, let's put it that way. Kevin, how are you? Good morning. Doing well. Um... Are you going to uh, SP Futures down two and a quarter, and as Futures up twenty? They were down way more than that last night. Well, they were down last night pretty heavy. Had a huge down day yesterday, and uh, Kevin doesn't know it yet, but he's our man in the banking industry. And what the hell, Kevin, has happened to these these banks? Got absolutely annihilated yesterday, especially the mid the mid sized and small sized bank. This place, uh, um, I was going to say, well, Silvergate went under. That's the place that's the uh, crypto thing. That's another story. That's story two with this uh, SVS by answer, which is essentially uh, Semia, a Silicon Valley bank, right? Yeah. They did a lot of the uh, uh, financing for a lot of startups and so forth. Well, yesterday they had a cash crunch. They had to sell a bunch of uh, uh, bonds and stuff they had in their reserves. No, I'm not exactly sure which bonds count as reserves and which don't, but anyway, they had to sell a bunch yesterday. And stock was down like 150 bucks to... Uh, 120, 115 hanging in there. We're talking about a stock that was uh, 500 hours in August, last August. And, uh, you know, it was, it was 350 three weeks ago. Well, this morning, it's down another 45 bucks. It's right in 61. So people were pulling their money out and they had to go get some more cash. And somehow the Fed didn't bail them in time. And I don't, I honestly don't know the whole, the whole pecking order of how they, all that happens before you have a bank do this. But it really flew through the whole. Sp- banking system, places like Key Bank and places that you would never guess even had a connection. And on top of that, you had the big banks getting spanked because of uh, this this thing. And I, I sent you guys a, an email yesterday, Kevin. I, I'm, you know, but I, I'll tell you what, I'm mystified by just about everything. That's why I may seem argumentative, but I don't even argue as much anymore because I don't even know, I don't even know which side to argue it. This whole Epstein thing now, now percolating its way through J.P. Morgan. I don't, I don't, I, uh, well, I tell you what, I'm, I'm, obviously you and I are not privy to any of the real information here that's going on with our, our ridiculous method of, well, it's not, it's the best method of government in the world, and it's stuff we, we all, a lot of people have died for, but we're seeing it go, I don't know what we're seeing it happen, and it's not, to me, it's not right or left, it's a total disrespect for any sort of morals, any sort of anything. Now, here's where I am on this Epstein thing, we have the world's biggest sleazebag, 
that catered to all kinds of other people that are even bigger sleazebags. And he would essentially bring people to southern Florida. I don't know if he had an island or he had a place by Trump or what he did it. I don't know. I'm not saying he was connected to Trump, but he was close, in pr- close proximity. And it appears that all kinds of people that don't want their names out came through his place. Uh, politicians, maybe royal family from several different countries, would pile in there and essentially were giving a buffet of uh, young people. Mostly women, I guess, but I'm sure there's some boys. I'm not sure, but I suspect there's some boys involved too. And you know, it was a whole trip from God knows where you were coming with the planes and the golf and the shrimp cocktails and the booze and the, the, the you know the ridiculous stuff. And uh, so the guy is sentenced to jail, or he's in jail. I don't know if he was even tried. Forget that part. So he mysteriously died, commits suicide in jail. And I'll tell you what, that guy committed suicide. I'll be a jockey in the seventh race today. But that's that's just my opinion. But but it's all and he's got the the lady who supposedly ran the thing. It's a, kind of get her, gets arrested, kind of gets treated with kid gloves. Now nobody knows where she is, but she never was forced to pop out a list of names of all these people because nobody wants to get. I mean, this is a name, a list of names that could take down God knows what, Kevin. Uh, well, if you if you just go by what's on the flight manifest, the uh, the list of powerful people um, who just show up on the uh, flight manifest for his plane. Uh, to to his island, which the, and and the plane the uh, flights were referred to as the Lolita Express, um, so uh, that that tells you a little bit about what they were up to. Uh, I mean, it, you know, it, it's just it, it's an amazing number of names. Um, it's people like Bill Clinton. It's people like um, I don't know which prince from England, Andrew, I think. Um, you know, they. Uh, it, Business uh, leaders, I mean, you name it, they're they're in there, and um, huge amount of people from Saudi. Yeah. Um, uh, By the way, every rich perv in the world, basically. Well, Kevin, where did uh, my geography's not so? Did this guy have a a, a land-based spot near Mar-a-Lago? Again, I'm not connecting him to. Or was no, he 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 got um, he had some stuff uh, going on. I and. I'm not up to date on it, uh, so you know I'm, I'm I'm reaching back into memory, which, at our age, as you know, um, it, it it sort of depends. If it's tied to baseball, I probably have a vivid uh, recollection and can cite every pitch. But if it's tied to uh, some other things, God knows if I'm going to come up with it. Anyway, um, uh, I I know he was uh, arrested, convicted, got a light sentence, you know, whatever it was, in, and that was in Florida. Um, but I, I also know he uh, after I don't know if it was after that I don't know if it was because of that I don't remember um, but he uh, um, but he got he had an island basically that uh, that he owned that was uh, outside the United States. But now these these planes did they land in Miami? No, I don't think so. I think they landed. Well, I don't, I don't know where is where they were based. But, but I'm uh, saying I mean except. Did his island have an airstrip that could handle a plane? From yeah, that oh. could handle a private jet. Sure. Yeah. I'm talking about some of these guys from Saudi Arabia. Their private jets is seven triple seven. Well, yeah, but they, you know you can get on his private jet. Oh, okay. So you I'm know. saying, but but maybe everybody landed in Miami or someplace first. And yeah, and and yeah, maybe and and uh, you know maybe some people arranged their own transportation. I don't know. I just uh, I, I just don't remember. Yeah, I don't either. And then, but now all of a sudden, the thing. Let's put it this way: It was effectively, <laughs> this is God bless it. Is this Southside play? Was effectively swept under the rug. Is that a fair statement? I, I think so. In fact, 
who was it in Trump's administration? It was uh, like a, an attorney general or somebody who, um, you know, had to quit real quickly because he was involved in the uh, in the original plea deal that. Uh, um, well, that's right. It was a Florida plea deal. It was the guy. Uh Hispanic, yeah, that was the Florida part. There were, the Hispanic there was a plea guy. deal. Yeah. People thinking, thinking he was uh, maybe an intelligence asset, and that's what got him off, um, uh, uh, off the hook for that one. I don't know. You know I don't want to discuss the guy what was got a, him off. The guy was a potential governor guy, the the, the Hispanic dude from Florida. Anyway, we'll, we'll, but my point is, all of a sudden now, I mean, this is a long story. As we're getting to where. This bank now all of a sudden this thing is percolating up through J.P. Morgan, and I, and I don't get I honestly what's what's the percolate on J.P. Morgan? Well, all of a sudden they drive that a little. Uh, uh, there's uh, a drill down on that a little. There's bit. there's somebody from J.P. Morgan that had evidently resigned and he somehow handled this guy's account, Epstein. And now there's some lawsuit against J.P. Morgan saying that they knew that somebody was harmed and they knew this was going on and they named like this guy. So now J.P. Morgan is is now something suing this guy for whatever damage he might have done to J.P. Morgan, and he's no longer there. But now the latest tr- thing yesterday is the, the feds have demanded a whole bunch of information, and now it turns out that as this thing wore on, the guy who was personally keeping an eye on that account, considering how sensitive it was, was Jamie Dimon himself. So now the information that is being asked... How close was Jamie Dimon to this situation? Now is the question in, in the bigger bank. So J.P. Morgan got its ass kicked yesterday. You know, I mean, again, I have no idea where this is going. But now all of a sudden, this is now percolating up. So all of a sudden, now we're going to find out that even though all these guys have been held harmless by the feds for some reason, they're all going to be outed because you know Joe Jamoke ran a check through J.P. Morgan. And that's how you paid the guy. You said he gave a check to Epstein, and he had a J.P. Morgan account. And they're going to want to know. Who, whose money went into that account? I mean, all of a sudden now, <clears throat> it appears <clears throat> something something has some legs here somewhere, Kevin. And it now, now is this going to fly its way up? And now it turns out that this guy at J.P. Morgan, and oh by the way, Jamie Dimon, now know all these people are, and they try to get. I mean, all of a sudden there's a resurgence of something that caused uh, you know. So it was like a double hit to the banking community yesterday. And we come back for break, if you could. I mean, again, I'm, I'm jumping this on you because it's, it's so recent news. Why, what, what exactly, I mean, we know there can be connections anywhere with these banks. We saw that in, uh, in you know, in a lot of the stuff with the, uh, uh, well, certainly with the Resolution Trust years and years ago, but then later in that 2008, there's definitely connections. But I, I was having real trouble yesterday trying to figure out what exactly the, the connection was between this Silicon Valley place and Key Bank and these other places that were getting their ass kicked yesterday. Maybe you can... Somewhat enlighten us on that if you can, but I know they're all connected to some, to each other somehow. But but the carnage in the small bank community yesterday, I mean, maybe it's all of a sudden a look at an idea that this commercial real estate's not doing so hot, or houses aren't doing so hot. But anyway, we'll dig, dig into that in a second. SP futures down three, Nasdaq futures up twelve. But oh, by the way, today's labor numbers. So we have Carl. I think we got enough going on today. We'll be right back. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox. The Control Freaks Guide to Life, Money, and Probability. Luckbox shows you how to gauge the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other decision. And Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with relevant trade ideas, and equips you with cutting-edge tactics you don't already know. 
Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on pursuing life, luxury, and happiness through sports, fitness, travel, food, spirits, music, and a whole lot more. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Is your business being challenged by the complexities surrounding healthcare reform or other matters related to human resources management? If so, then Cognos HR can help. A longtime friend and contributor to the Stocks and Jocks radio program, Cognos HR provides its clients with a perfect blend of strategic consulting and day-to-day HR management to drive overall improvement in business performance. Companies that join the Cognos HR family are better able to manage health care costs, enhance benefit offerings, and improve employee satisfaction by leveraging our access to Fortune 500 benefits. Our innovative onboarding and payroll technology, along with our constant attention to detail, enables us to provide the highest level of quality service to our clients. Now, your time and energy can be focused on generating business and increasing your bottom line. We'll take care of the rest. For more information, call us at 630-401-8810 or search us on the web at CognosHR.com. Cognos HR, innovation and human resources. Licensed in Illinois and Arizona. Hello, this is Tom Howell, the Chief. Confused about investing these days? I suspect you are not alone. Investing was never easy, although at times it may have seemed so. I think one reason behind the current concern, although maybe not explained as such, is how the fluctuation of the American dollar and the associated politics is affecting your investments and your wealth. It may not be enough to make some money in your investments. You may need now to make enough to exceed the amount that your leadership is depreciating the value of the dollars you've worked your whole life to accumulate. That same leadership has seen fit to maneuver risk-free interest rates to near zero. Providing positive risk-averse returns in a zero-interest and declining real-wealth environment is by far the toughest assignment I've ever had in my years as a money manager. I'm sure that a lot of you have heard that one way to possibly deal with this problem is to invest in so-called hard currencies like silver and gold, the idea being that they will retain their relative value in the face of devaluation of paper currencies like the dollar. To be honest, I have never been a gold bug. I've always had faith that having enough dollars and a good investment strategy was good enough. Now I'm not so sure. But I do know that if I did invest in gold or silver, I'd want to do it in the same manner as we do with PTI for investments in the market, with defined risk. If you feel the need to invest in gold or silver, we can do it using the same strategies that we use for our protected index program. No matter what you invest in, we feel that you need to know and control your risk. Find us at PTISecurities.com. That's PTISecurities.com. Stocks. Jocks. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here. Right now. Right here, right now, right now. Welcome back to Stacks and Jacks. I'm Tom Al. on the board. SP Futures down four. Nasdaq Futures up nine. This is a huge plus. Cause last night they were down like 30-something, the uh, S&Ps. Dow Futures down 79. Again, other than this uh, SIVB, which is this uh, bank, uh, down $47 to 59, which started... Like the month at 300 or something, it was made as much as 500. This has been a huge drop in this thing. I've got uh, J.P. Morgan down another 14 cents. J.P. Morgan was uh, 142 like last week, and now it's 130. So um, there, there was some carnage yesterday. We, we haven't got to the crypto part. Over in Europe, we've got the uh, DAX down 183, 1.2%. A lot of this happened after these guys closed. FTSE down 131, 1.7%. Kick around down 79, 1.1%. So. Whack whack over in Europe. The Nikkei down 479. It's 1.7%. Hang down 605. These guys are in, in danger of going under 19,000 here now. Uh, that's 3%. So 13.5 to 
something like 23 back down to 19. That's in the several months. Shanghai down 46, 1.4%, biggest move they've had in a while. So not good. Yesterday, down on 543, S&P down 73, NASDAQ down 237, it's 2% in the NASDAQ. Uh, bonds down 9 basis points, 3.83, so no danger going through 4 today. Uh, Bund down 11 basis points, uh, 2.52. Even Japan come off that uh, 0.50 to down to 0.44, so big move over there. Oil uh, down 76 cents, 74.96. Below 75, it's retreating. That's a full percent. Rent down 67 cents, 80.93. Natural gas down 4 cents, 249. Our Bob down 2 cents, 250. I don't think anything's up here anywhere. Uh, having said that, gold is up 470, 1839. A little bit of a pop yesterday. Silver up 2 cents, 2019. And this is a big story too. Crypto under 20,000, 19,827. Uh, 70 billion wiped off the crystal market. Crypto market yesterday. So. Money evaporated yesterday. The U.S. dollar is uh, up a little bit. It's up reasonably amount, much against the pound, 0.6% at 1.19. Uh, I'm sorry, the dollar is down, the pound is up. This thing is, is the other way, so it's kind of hard to... Uh, the pound is up to 1.199. The euro is virtually unchanged at 1.059. Uh, Andrew, we had a lot of stuff there. What do you got for us, traffic, weather, sports? A lot of weather, too. Uh, yeah, a lot of weather, not a lot of sports today. Uh, the only thing I have to report is for hockey. The Coyotes beat the Predators last night, ending their game 4-1. to one. Heading over to weather, yes, it is cut. The inbound Jane Adams traffic is getting pretty heavy near Harlem Avenue, and on the north uh, inbound Stevenson traffic is getting heavy near Central Avenue. But other than that, everything is about as usual for traffic. So that's all I got. Back to you, Chief. So Kevin, our uh, our our uh, expert on banks, at least smaller banks. Um, when you get the the total drivel of the people on TV that obviously must own bank stocks or something, assuring you that the Treasury has pounded so much money into these big banks that they are safe no matter what, and that the little banks nobody cares about because they're, they're little, hence the name little banks. Um, boy, Kevin, I know that's absolutely not true in terms of, of risk, that everything works fine when it's when it's working and the Fed is the backstop, that's what they're supposed to be. But uh, especially when you start to see maybe property prices turn and you see uh, some maybe other stuff happening in uh Obviously, auto auto loans are, are not being paid. We've got some foreclosures some places, and we've got credit card debt absolutely to the moon here. I mean, I I see connections here all over the place. What uh, what do you well, see? Well, you're you're going to get problems with anybody who has a substantial amount of uh, credit card holdings. They're going to be seeing defaults, and they should be, you know, they should be feeding their loan loss reserves now, or, or actually should have been feeding them months ago. Uh, to be, you know, and, and shaving that out of their uh, whatever their profitability reporting was, and making sure that they're capitalized properly, because this was certainly foreseeable and certainly has been in progress for quite a while in terms of uh, you know, consumer debt, um, mortgages. I, you know, I I really haven't paid much attention to see if um, 
if any of these banks are holding a lot of um, 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 oh, non-traditional types of mortgages, balloons and things like that, that got everybody in such trouble uh, in, in 2007 and 2008. Um, but in, in the case of uh, Silicon Valley Bank, you know, their kind of reason for being is that they are uh, they they're there to uh, be the bank for startup companies for startup tech companies and you know their problem is one is they you know appear to have been uh, asleep at the switch in managing their ba- own balance sheet they lost 1.8 billion in the sale of US treasuries and mortgage backed securities um, uh, owing it to uh, in their words to rising interest rates well duh yeah. So, uh, uh, so you know, again, foreseeable all along. Um, so, if they took one big hit, um, you know, then shame on them. Absolutely shame on them because they didn't see they didn't see coming what was obvious to everybody else. Uh, they also, uh, you know, their um, customer base is start uh, of startups doesn't have that much money now, so their deposits aren't. Um, uh, are, are dwindling away, so they're not getting any uh, any any funding that way, and so they went out to raise capital and they tried to do a, a common stock uh, issue um, at the uh, same at the same time that you were getting other announcements in there, uh, especially uh, um, like like the uh, crypto bank, you know, Silvergate. Um, and, and they were announcing at the same time that that was falling apart, so their timing was terrible. And you know, all in all, you sitting here looking and head scratching your head and saying, "What in the hell were they doing?" Well, I mean, uh, I'm, forgive me here, but whenever this stuff happens, I can't resist my instincts is to is essentially sneak around into, into the the drawers of this stuff. That sounds awful. Now, when we talked, we had we had periods of time, Kevin, like a decade or five years or something where we had these uh, 10-year notes uh, and 30-year bonds and other kinds of stuff from the government that were essentially at 1% interest. And the, the TLT, which is a 20-year plus, was trading. Let me see where it topped out at. Uh, well, this is a 20-year ETF or something, so it's kind of a little bit of a proxy. So I have this thing trading 170. All right, when, when the interest rates were, this is in uh, 2020, when the interest rates were, you know, half of under 1% for 10-year stuff, uh, or they were 1%. Well, anybody who got anybody who listens to the show gets it driven into them mercilessly by me. You have to understand where those things are going to go if all of a sudden the rates go the different direction. And the, and the answer to that was down. And, the, and I would say, okay, the, the, the stupidos in Europe or the policymakers, same thing maybe, that were buying bonds at negative interest rates, essentially negative market interest rates, meaning... Your your total your total interest on a bond, maybe is thirty bucks, over the life of the fifteen year bond, and you're going to get, and the, uh, and you're going to get a hundred dollars back. We actually were paying, what Kevin, one hundred thirty five for it, meaning you were negative. You're going to be negative on the whole deal, and you and I kept saying, and everybody else on the show, I mean, there's there's there are people that are forced. When I say forced, they're they're legally obligated to buy this stuff. It's not just a central bank. It might be secure. It might be a insurance company. You have to have a certain amount of te- uh, governments. Yeah, municipalities. It could be municipality. It could be any of those people. Now, all of a sudden, you say to yourself, "Now, these guys. What I'm guessing is, if they have this kind of a loss on a government bond, 
they've got 10 or 30 year bonds in there that they bought essentially two years ago and are now down 40 or 50 percent that's the exact number they reported right mm-hmm. well duh I mean uh, I you know I'm, I'm, but obviously Kevin yeah but the, the difference is um, you know I can sit here and say duh they have people that do this for a living but they were forced to but I mean you went out and the idea was we're going to be like this together. Remember, inflation was transitory. There wasn't any and all that stuff. I do remember back yeah. when it was transitory. But I mean, the way idea, back what two years ago? And, and we kept saying people are liable to lose forty, fifty percent out of the government band, all the while telling people how safe it is. And, and, and guess what, Kevin? They're losing it. And uh, and if and if you don't have to sell it, you'll just you just kind of ride it in your back pocket. And one of these days, ten years will be up, and you'll get you get the money from the government or thirty years. That's kind of a long time. You'll get the money, and you'll say, I didn't lose any dough. But in the meantime, I don't know how many times I said, if you buy this stuff for somebody who's 80 years old, yes, it's a safe investment. They're going to get the money back from the federal government. But three years from now, it could be marked on their sheets at 60 cents on a dollar, 65. It's exactly what's happening, correct? Yeah. Now, the the other thing that comes into play here, too, that is that is what happened. And then you go on top of it, and I would say um, – that if if they have to scramble to do a stock issue tells me that they weren't well capitalized in the first place and that they were and certainly weren't in position to take any any kinds of significant losses so now your question gets to be how many other banks are in that boat right now right and so you know like i as i said earlier that everybody should have been reserving um, you know, feeling reserves, taking it out of earnings, all of that. So whatever glowing earnings reports um, that you've seen over the last several years from banks, you should we should go back and take a look at them again and say, okay, what's your capitalization look like? Um, because you had all these nice earnings, but uh, are, are we, you know, what's going to happen when you take losses? And uh, so we'll, we'll, you know, that would be, I guess, the next step is, okay, where are we going to go with that? And I, and I don't know the answer to that. Well, I'm looking right at the chart. I mean, everybody knows I'm no chartist. Looking at this, what does this tell me? It tells me that every single person who bought, say, 20-year, 10 to 30-year, anywhere in there, U.S. Treasuries from 2020 to 2021, maybe even as, as late as, uh, as the middle of 2021, so say a year and a half, anybody in there, if they still have it, has a 50% well, what's 150 down to 103, a 40%, 40% loss, 40, 33 to 40% loss. So it's everybody. And all those auctions. Yeah, so they're going to they're gonna take it They're gonna take it on what should have been the safest part of their portfolio. Yes. They're going to they're gonna take a hit. And then on top of it now we have, you know, we, they're, they're looking at, at loan losses. You know, consumer, anybody who's big into consumer debt, I, you know, I, I run like hell from them right now. Um and uh, so, so that's going to be a problem. There will be, uh, the, you know, that'll lead to uh, some business issues as well. But the other thing I would be looking at, and I don't know um, if if Silicon Valley was, if this was part of the equation with them or not. But when you start to see syndicated loans, um, and 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 I've seen small banks go in at their loan limit join into a, consen- uh, a, a syndicated loan and then that's always a matter of who's the first one out first people out when it starts to uh, turn south um, they get out whole everybody else is left holding the bag on those and uh, and and I sort of 
you know, I, I would not be surprised if some of these smaller banks got suckered into some of those kinds of deals, and they have yet to pay for them, and that's going to happen uh, eventually too. Well, Kevin, you're anytime, gonna... anytime the economy goes bad, you're going to have large loans that default, and when large loans default, they've usually been spread. The risk has been spread amongst a group of people, and the lead banks, the big banks, are going to be out, and everybody else is just going to be stuck. Well, at the risk of uh, you calling up your buddy the Unabomber and sending me a, a, an exploding package, I want to kind of walk down this. In terms of accounting, you, you mentioned consumer debt earlier and credit cards. In terms of accounting. How does how does how does that work? I want because I had this conversation with my he was on the air with us one time, McP, uh, talking about these these. I said these credit card rates are way too high. One night over an adult beverage, and he's a board of, not board of trade, a uh, Federal Reserve guy. And he goes, "Do you have any idea how many how much uh, these banks write off on these loans?" And I said, "Okay, well now you got to answer me a question." Somebody goes out and buys a uh, sofa, buys new furniture, and it's two grand. He puts it on his credit card. Has every intention of paying it off in two months. Somebody's in the emergency room. All of a sudden, he's got ten grand on the credit card. Now he, he can't pay it off, and you know he misses a payment. Now his rate goes from eighteen to thirty to God knows what. And there's all these late fees and all this other kind of crap. I said, when they write it off, do they just write off the original cost of the sofa and chairs of two grand in the emergency room, or they write the whole thing off? Well, they write everything that's not getting paid. It's been it, borrowed, not paid, gets written off. But I mean, but but it comes out of reserve. So no, no, what what, I, no what, I'm talking about the. Oh, I'm not. I didn't do a very good job with that. I'm talking about so so Kevin O'Neill, which I hope you never have to have. Do you go out and buy? You get a credit card. You buy a, a, a three thousand dollar bass boat. I don't think you get a bass boat for three thousand, but say you can. You get a three thousand dollar bass boat, and all of a sudden something else happens to you, and you lose your job, and you can't pay for it. So all of a sudden, the next month. You know, I got a 30% interest, and oh, by the way, there's probably a 100-hour or 75-hour late payment fee. So you don't pay them. Well, this over the next two years, this three grand is now six because it moves up pretty damn fast. Um, do they take the other the three grand? It's not the boat, the interest and the fees and all this crap that they're putting on you. Do they take that to income? So when they write off the six... Oh, yes, they do. <laughs> yeah, well, they do. Well, how do you take that to income when the guy's not paying? It's a non-performing loan. Well, once it becomes a non-performing loan, you stop taking it to income. So so once once you classify a loan like that, then all of the the accounting is completely different for it. Um, but it's, it's before you classify it, you're still making the loan um, because the only bad loan... Because nothing is ever a bad loan when you make it. <laughs> oh, but allegedly, yeah. <laughs> allegedly, so it's it's only bad when it goes bad. Um, so th- that that's the mindset sometimes. But uh, so what happens is, uh, you know, the, you, I mean, the the accounting for this, the way it happens is that the bank is supposed to be setting aside reserves for losses, and it's a formula. Generally, it's based on the size of the portfolio and the idea that you can take your history of, uh, you know, how how much uh, default you have, and so every month you in you're going to sock away a certain amount of money uh, to cover those uh, to cover those losses. Um, uh, now. What what happens is when we are starting to see the big shift in the economy, uh, they should be looking and saying, "Oh, we better put more into reserves, so that when the inevitable happens, uh, we're prepared for it." This is so. How many how many times have you seen a bank in the last 
year just take the last year uh, come out for a quarter and say what a great quarter it was and and we had record earnings um you know that would that should be the first question is oh yeah what did you take to reserves <laughs> you know is, was it history or are you are you saving for the rainy day where are you going on that and and then fine if you you know as you uh, if if you start to liquidate those reserves too quickly then you have to increase what you're contributing to the loan loss reserve and that's you know it's all going to show up on the income statement but it's you know this is all non-cash stuff all right so uh Kevin O'Neill or, or me <clears throat> or anybody, we go out and we buy $5,000 worth of furniture. We get the bill. You now, you guys would Zimbo or Bimbo or whatever the hell you do. A guy like me just writes a check. Okay, so I send the check to the bank for the five grand. So the bank makes some little 1% fee or something. They weasel out of the, the merchandiser, right? But they really don't make a whole lot of money on this, right? So, so now all of a sudden, if I send them in, a check for five hundred bucks or two hundred bucks. Now all of a sudden, my twenty percent or whatever it is kicks in, and that's where now the bank starts making money. And if I'm late with it, then they throw another seventy-five hours on there or whatever it is for the late fee. And oh, by the way, maybe raise my rate from eighteen to thirty because I'm late. So all the all the pylon is the income. The original. If I just bought the furniture and sent them a check, what do they even make, Kevin? Is it even is it half of one percent, maybe? Well, you I mean you bought the furniture with your credit card, yeah. and uh, well, that that's a kind of a complicated formula. It depends on who the merchant, you know, who who the. Uh, but it's very little. Fur- well, yeah, yeah. It's, it's very little. It depends on who the furniture company, you know, uh, um, is uh, who their who their bank is. Um, th- this is all, you know, interchange fees based on, you know, who the issuer is, who the uh, the merchant. Uh, controller is it all gets run through the system and settled out, and and this is shaving off pieces of a percent, pieces of two percent, uh, and that go in a bunch of different directions, and and some of it goes to, you know, uh, Visa or Mastercard clearing systems. So there's little pieces of it. You're not making a lot on transactions. You can make some uh, as a bank. So but if it, I don't it, pay, it, it, it isn't on, it, it isn't really on the transactions other than to say. Um, that uh, banks generally uh, don't get charged as much if you use a debit card as if you use credit card or if you use your debit card as a credit card um, because uh, a, you know if you go buy furniture uh, and and somebody has to wind up paying uh, you know one and a half percent on the uh, uh, on the interchange fee uh, basically when you use it as a debit card you're paying what what it costs to do an ATM which is probably you know an ATM transaction probably costs 15 to 20 cents to clear all right so the but i mean with all of a sudden they start they start piling this interest then and they're actually very gleeful if i have trouble for a year and maybe miss half the payments or are late and then at the end of the year you know i get a second job and all of a sudden i get some money or my <laughs> relative croaks and leaves me something and all of a sudden i now send them a check for 8500 where I, my original purchase was only five but all this other stuff they've piled on there and now they've now the bank has essentially made thirty five hundred. But now you're saying is that the first time that happens, the first time I don't send the, the thing in and they pile on seventy five bucks plus the interest, they take that to income right away because the assumption is I'm still going to pay. I just now got to pay a lot to them. Well, yeah, that, that's part of the assumption. The other part of the assumption is that the the possibility that you won't pay ever is is part of that big nut that they put into the um, uh, loan loss reserve every month. But I guess what I'm saying is at the end of the day. 
if by the time they're done screwing around with me and I find that I'm so deep in a hole I do BK or something, and the and the credit card is still is now ten grand and they write off the ten, they really it really only cost them five, plus playing with me. Oh yeah, yeah, all those fees and all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah it doesn't cost much. You know, it co- that that costs. You know, when they do write write you off. That costs somebody a little work putting through a few more debits and credits. What um, we got a few minutes. We got to talk a little bit of basketball, but also well, well ba- basketball. And I just want to mention something about you know everybody's up in arms over the pitch clock and what's it going. Pitch clock's been in the minor leagues. It's great. <laughs> you know, the, it, Theo Epstein had it right. He said it's going to be like uh, um, watching Mark Burley pitch for both sides. Well, yeah, I I, I just I really felt Kevin, and, and you know, for me, I you know, I still try and be a student of the game because I love it. Uh, I thought that the whole game changed when you went from your starter to your to your 15 guys in three innings where every guy's charged with throwing 10 pitches as hard as he possibly can and taking as much time between pitches as he can get away with. That that became a totally different game in the last two or three innings. And then, of course, if it was a World Series game or something, the whole game was like that. But uh, I, mean, I, I thought that, that shift in, in the game really was a, something that ruined it. Not to mention, I'd fall asleep. <laughs> well, well, it, made it, yeah, it made it boring. I mean, it, it 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 is what it is. I don't blame people for uh, you know taking advantage of uh, of strategy, but um, yeah, it 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 uh, it it slopped up the game tremendously. Uh, you know, you've mentioned also uh, before. You've mentioned on uh, on the show that uh, you would have held off on uh, the shift rule. Uh, and and done that a different time, and I agree with you on that. I I, I think you know I I want to see what the difference is, it, it, you know what difference each rule makes, and so when you do them all at the same time, you have no idea what you know. We're, we're going to have no idea a year from now how much we attribute to the shift, how much we attribute to the pitch clock, etc. So that'll be interesting. Yeah, I mean, I just I mean, one one piece of advice. I mean, I don't give a whole lot of people advice on. Well, he's not getting any advice on, on radio or a podcast or whatever you want to call it. But one thing I, I've always thought, Kevin, is if, if you're going to buy a whole life policy or something that is tied to the market or something, don't don't do that. Keep keep your market guy, your investment advisor, your broker, or your own investing and what you're doing separate from your insurance. They're two totally separate products. <laughs> so you know what you're paying for one and what you're paying for the other, and those guys... Make a fortune by blending them so you can't tell. Uh, same thing. I'm th- I think we could have held off on the shift thing for a year to see what the, what the pitch clock did. I, I had a feeling that the pitch clock itself was going to put more, more hitting in the game. Yeah. Now, you know, I, I understand the reason on the shift, and uh, and so, you know, I, I, I'm okay with that too, but um, but that comes in. So you also mentioned you want to talk college basketball. Yeah. So I think – For like two minutes. Uh, a few teams have have died. Um, you know, the Big Ten tournament, uh, the the lower seed won the first five games in that tournament. Yeah. Um, and uh, Michigan's done. They're they have uh, their record is like seventeen and fifteen now. There's no way they're getting invited to the NCAA. They'll probably go to the NIT. Um, and uh, so so they're out. They got knocked out. Their really their hope was to win the NCAA tournament. Um, I think North Carolina lost last night yes. in, uh, in in their first round game. I think they're in trouble, but clo- a close call. Uh, so there's going to be some of the you know some of the names we're used to being in the tournament are not going to be in the tournament. I thought uh, and, North Carolina was that the first game they lost or the second? That was sure it wasn't the second game. Oh, uh, could have been. I think it might have been the second, but uh, 
Mark Marquette or Miami DePaul almost made a, a splash. Yeah, they won their first game and uh, and took um, took uh, the X Men took Xavier to the wire. Yeah, Marquette went to overtime last night. Big ta- the Big East is good. I I really miss you know I when I first started getting Notre Dame season tickets, uh, they were in the Big East, and uh, I really miss those matchups. You know, I, I don't. You know, it, when they play an ACC game against a big name opponent, that's kind of fun. But the Big East, those uh, the Villanova, Georgetown, uh, you know, all of those regular games that they played in the Big East were so much fun. Oh, yeah, I, yeah. I wish they were there to this day. Did you hear your buddy Mike Bray? His last game when the game was over, he said. You can't find me now. The refereeing sucked, or something along those lines. Yeah, 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 yeah. He did, and he was right. It was oh, yeah. a terrible game, and, and 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 I'd be complaining on either side if I uh, from that game. But uh, yeah, Mike's uh, Mike's a he's a good guy. He you know, um, and uh, you know he's he's always been pretty circumspect about what he's what he will say. Uh, you know, he, his reputation as a nice guy and and maybe he should go off on the refs. You should sit by the bench sometime when that guy's coaching. Uh, he you know a ref can't run by him without hearing about something. Uh, you know, oh, well. and and. and and you know, people also say, "Well, he, he should drive his players more." Yeah, you sit by the bench, and you'll learn some new words. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I think some of the refereeing is horrible. This constant debate that you see play out every night in college ball is whether the last play of the game, if the guy undresses somebody and and grabs his private part, whether he should call a foul or let them play. The the, the, the announcers all debate it. Oh man, you don't ever want to call. Him. By, by uh, de- you know, determining the outcome of the game by making a call on the last play. Well, if you don't, you're, if you don't you're call, determining it just as yeah, much. Yeah, you're you, right. That's you where you're going. If you let the guy armed robber the dude, you don't call. It's the same thing. It's anyway. So Kevin, we're gonna all kinds of stuff here with uh, Carl. We're gonna talk about. Plus, we got all these labor numbers today. I don't know what the as an everyman, real quick. After last month's bulge of a million two people and all, how do we come back from the numbers this month and even make any kind of sense? I. That's why I'm hoping Carl can do it because I sure as hell can't. It, well, you make sense by using unadjusted numbers, uh, and and you know plotting them. And I, I I have talked to people who you know kind of live in that stats world, and th- you know they're so wed to the adjusted numbers. And why would you want you know why would you want the the ups and downs of unadjusted? And I said I am perfectly capable of looking at last year, this year charts, and seeing seeing what's normal and what's not. I don't need you to smooth it out for me. Um, and 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 I just you know the the statistician's mindset is completely different that they 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 must manipulate these numbers so i you know i i, I like that one of the best things about listening to carl to, uh, you know take all that apart is that he's using the unadjusted and he's you know he's looking at what really or at least as close to what really happened as as uh, the numbers can tell us so as much so as he I'm tries forward to it much as he tries he can't <clears throat> not take a shot at me for looking at the wrong page. He'll, we'll, he'll do that again today. SP Futures. Well, you keep looking at the wrong page. That's probably why he does it. Oh, God. SP Futures down eight. There's <laughs> Futures down three. Be right back with Carl Denninger. This self-directed trading is a lonely job. Online trading is not as easy as point and click. No, it's not. Everyone, even professionals, need to share ideas and think out loud every now and then. That's what I like about PTI Pro Direct. Their staff of former option floor traders really helps me choose the right strategy for trading option volatility and plan the time to gain for my covered writing program. Yep, nothing can replace years of trading experience to stop you from making that dumb trade and for saving a few bucks. We've all been there and done that. <laughs> yeah, I have access to all that great trading advice and experience for just a penny a share for 
for stocks, $1 for equity options, and $1 minimum a trade. Our clients at PTI ProDirect can call when they need a little help on a trade or just to talk about the market in general. We trade every day. We love this stuff. That's what I like most about PTI ProDirect. Cheap prices along with great advice from real floor traders. It's the best of both worlds. Tell your friends. That's PTIProDirect.com. PTIProDirect.com. Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, Give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They are located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708-403-2727. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body too? Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of HomeSource Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708-349-349. That's 708-349-3456. Or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Something happening here. Well, welcome back to Stacks and Jacks. I'm on the board. SP Futures now down nine. NASDAQ Futures, I was just going to say, down 11. Now they're unchanged. That's how fast this stuff is moving here this morning. Is The cross currents of information here are about as bizarre as I've seen, I won't say ever, but it's it's pretty bizarre. Pretty bizarre. It's pretty wild. I mean, uh, the, the, the hints of banks, the hints of uh, labor numbers, the hints of... Uh, Ukraine stuff. I mean, this morning the stuff is swirling. Wouldn't you say, Carl? Are you there? Oh, I w- yeah, I definitely would. This is uh, <laughs> it's it's an interesting morning, that's for sure. And, what, and, where do you, you want to start? Well, um, I think one of the one of the places is kind of the overarching aspect of all of this, which is that we now have hard proof in the form of a bunch of video that Tucker Carlson released that there's a very serious organized fraud campaign that goes on within our government and it touches everything you know we talk about stocks and and uh, markets and economic factors and of course you know today's the granddaddy for the monthly calendar because the labor reports do and that's the big one but all of this stuff sort of ties into the same thing and we've always you know we've always known that there's you know there's knob twiddling 
you know, in the BLS data, you, you get these guys that argue, oh, you know, the monthly report says this. Is, it's why I always look at the unadjusted numbers. You know, like you were talking about earlier before the break, is that I always look there. And the reason I look there is because that knob twiddling isn't in that aspect of it. That doesn't mean that there isn't distortion. It just takes one of the pieces out of the picture. What the... It's, go ahead. Keep going. Keep going. Well, so, uh, you know, you, you look at, for example, what's, you know, what's going on with this little bank that, uh, you know, that now uh, last night, every, everybody seemed to think everything was okay in the, in the crypto world until sometime in the middle of the morning. And all of a sudden, you know, oops, there goes 2000 bucks off Bitcoin. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Temper- you know, and, and, and oh, by the way, that's not a small move, okay? <laughs> yeah, I, you know, you think about what that, what that would be, you know, in the Dow, we'd be, that, that'd be a, uh, you know, 3,000 point dive, right? Yeah. And but that s- kind 70, of. $70 billion last night. Uh, yeah. And I mean, the, the, but, here's, but here's the basic problem. This was a regulated entity that got in trouble like this, right? This wasn't some this this wasn't some offshore you know crypto exchange that uh, that the U.S. government and regulators don't have any control over. That's not who it was. Well, uh, boy, I'm asking. I was asking Kevin all these uh, questions that I, he had no right to know the answer. I was asking him anyway. I'm gonna do the same thing to you. Um, if I'm a market maker, which which I was for 20 years, and I buy IBM at 140 because I know it's worth 160, and of course I'm always right, and the next day it's trading 135, guess what? My sheets have it marked at 135, and I'm down five bucks. So, right. If you ever want to be a have your ego get stripped from you pretty fast, just be a market maker. Um, well, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and and the problem though that you have is that we took much of the safety factors you know there's there uh, there's this uh, there's this quaint notion that has always been there um you know and you learn it the first time that you take a class on how banking works they all well you know you have a reserve ratio and that's the amount you have to set aside so the you know if the reserve ratio is 10% which historically is what it was then the most you can turn the crank is approximately 10 times because every time you turn the crank 10% comes has to be held back right so you're a little younger than me when i did when i cut my teeth on this in, in undergrad learning money and banking it was 20% well but or actually like 19.8 or something but then it's five turns of the crank yeah, right yeah, chief yeah, because yeah. At, at the point that you do the five turns most of what you started with has been held back right Right, but we got we got to expand on that a little bit. What I, cause I've used this example before, and Carl knows what I'm talking about. If if somebody go back to Bonanza, right, and somebody drops a thousand bucks in the the Virginia City Bank out of nowhere, Virginia City Bank, if they have a twenty percent reserve requirement, which is which is what Carl's talking about, or he used ten, Virginia City Bank can now loan eight hundred bucks to Andrew. Now Andrew puts that money. He got nowhere else to put it, so he puts it. In a demand deposit in Virginia City Bank. Well, now they got another eight hundred bucks, right? We've actually created some money. Now they can lend six forty to the next guy, but every right. time it gets less, and then that reserve got cut to ten, and now it's like next to nothing, right, Carl? Now it's zero. Zero, yeah, it's crazy. Ben Bernanke, this is the <laughs> when the whole tarp thing was going on. 
Ben Bernanke got one sentence stuck into the bailout bill. One sentence that nobody paid any attention to. There was always, oh, oh by the way, uh, this was something that the Fed didn't just magically do come TARP and come the blow up in 08. They've been planning this. This has been something that Treasury and the Federal Reserve and Congress, Congress had had in their schedule that this this reserve requirement was eventually going to go away. All right, now you you probably knew nothing about this. I knew nothing about this. Nobody knew anything. There was no big congressional debate on this. There was no debate with the American people and what this would do to the stability of the financial system. None of this was ever put out in front of the public. None. And then out of the but but it was there. It was actually in the statutes. And what Bernanke and Paulson did was accelerate it by several years. But it was already there. And so it, it, one sentence that says that the Federal Reserve shall have the right to set the reserve rate as it, as it deems fit, including to 0%. Well, they always had that, I'm going to say that ability, Carl. Uh, not, not to zero, no. That no, was, but I'm going to say, but this all, this all, the first idea of a reserve requirement was in 1936, correct? Yeah, but see, here's 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 the problem with this, Chief. The as as you know, and as anybody who knows anything about mathematics knows, which unfortunately is is we no longer require that you actually understand any of this to gra- to even graduate high school, say much less get into college. As I discovered when I found that half the people that were going to U of C and came to apply for a job at my company could not manage to do four-function arithmetic with a piece of paper and a pencil. That's pretty scary. I, that's frightening, all right? I mean, these are people that could not make change for 20 using nothing other than a piece of paper and a pencil. See, now on the trading floor, somebody would say 20 is change, Carl. Well, yeah, okay. <laughs> I, I, I suppose. Um, you know, hey, that petty cash box has to balance at right. the end of the oh, day, yeah. okay? Yeah. So so being able to accurately do that's kind of important because that's like the only cash that's in the building. Everything else is right you know, now, checks if and credit cards. If your change making computer were to shut down at McDonald's or something, they'll they'll shut the place down. Oh, let me tell you, I uh, you know, I came back from doing a little bit of lobbying work um uh, before I was running MCS. Uh drove drove back from DC and there was a train accident, a derailment that forced me off the freeway. So I'm going through the the middle of BF nowhere in West Virginia. And I have a Rand McNally Atlas. This was before there were cell phones and you know and all that fun stuff. Uh, so, you know, Google Maps didn't exist. And uh, I pull into this little gas station because I needed a map. Uh, you know, and all the gas stations at that time, they all sold maps. You know, the, the, the well, multifold used to be they, ones. Well, used to be they gave it to you. They gave them to you. Well, you know, yeah, these, you know the multifold ones, right? Yeah. You know, oh, yeah. yeah. So anyway, I go in there, and, and there's no power because the, the, the derailment has, has apparently, they've shut the power off because there was, uh, you know, they had to do that in order to get the heavy equipment in there to fix, you know, to put the train back together. <laughs> and and the girl at the counter literally can't I don't know what the sales tax percentage is in West Virginia. I have no clue. All right? She she doesn't know. She she has no capability to to tell me how much money I have to give her for a $5 map. That's pretty scary. All right? She couldn't do it. I left a 10 on the counter and walked out. I said, "I know it's not this much." <laughs> okay, I needed the map. 
But yeah, I mean, uh, no electricity. The, of course, the electronic cash register wasn't working because there was no power. I, uh, All right, hey, before we wander off in the direction we're going, which is fine with me, my question to you is, uh, this particular bank, uh, uh, whatever, something, Silicon Valley Bank, now everybody's talking about the, the, the hit they took on their essentially treasuries, and they might have some right. other stuff too. And I'm looking right at the chart, and I'm saying they bought these things in 2020 when they were 1%, so they paid the equivalent of a 150. Well, they probably paid, you know, 102, and now they're, they're trading for <clears throat> 75 or something. And we all know why. But my question is, are they treasuries that are in reserve at a bank? Maybe this was more of a Kevin question. Are those marked to market every day? So in other words, if, if they have... $100 million worth of uh, treasuries that they bought two years ago that are now worth 80 is the 80 been taken does that come off every day like a market maker's sheets um, it sounds to me like the answer is no when they were talking about they, 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 could you no, the, they an- the answer is no well that's okay. crazy that's crazy there were there were also there were also a bunch of these things um that went down this uh, this path um after the 08 blow up do you remember all the conversations about tier 1 capital and things like this oh yeah yeah i'm not yeah. i'm not as privy to that what all that means uh, as much as you and kevin are but i heard i mean i remember well, the conversation yeah i don't know what the what the current division of you know like what what goes in what bucket stuff at the detail level kevin probably knows more about this than i do in terms of because i just it's 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 a, at a level that really to me uh, doesn't make a whole lot of difference. However, to a bank it makes <laughs> it makes all the difference in the world. Um, but there's also a difference in how they categorize it based upon your intentions. So a security that's held for sale uh, and is and is not going you know is is potentially subject to redemption. It has a different set of rules than one that is being held for investment. That you know, if you have a ten-year treasury, well, guess what? It's worth it's sold in ten thousand dollar units. It's worth ten thousand dollars because the federal government is not going to default, uh, so we say, and as a result, it's worth ten thousand uh, dollars. Now, the fact that it only returns you know three quarters of a percent, the new ones uh, you know today that you could buy uh, are trading at three nine. Uh, oops, yeah. <laughs> in terms of the cash flow that generates, right? But in terms of the capital markdown, I mean, if, if you look at the you know the basic discounted cash flow on a bond and its current value uh, is you know is the difference between those two rates, right? I mean, uh, if I why would I buy your quarter percent bond when I can buy one that pays three nine, right? That would be stupid. Right. For me to take that one off your hands, you're going to have to discount the price by the difference of well, whatever get, the remaining duration is. Well, this comes down, Carl, to the, the, the debate that I'll always have with the, uh, the, the the one percenters on TV. They'll say, should I take my loss? And I go, buddy, you already got it. <laughs> you, already, you already got the loss, <laughs> right? And, well, and what I, and here's, here's the problem with the whole tiering system that they put together, okay? And why they should... This is fraud writ large. And again, it goes back to what I was saying at the beginning of, of my segment, which is that we now have on on public display that this is what the government does on a routine basis all the time, including when it screws people straight into prison. And and 
how do I, uh, you know, how do I make that kind of a statement? That's a pretty serious one, right? Well, how about this tiered capital stuff? I, I, oh, the bank is holding this for investment, therefore they don't have to recognize the loss because, well, they're, they're, they're going to sit on it for the next nine years, right up until they need the money. Yeah, I don't see how that... I mean, so that, tell me how this works, Chief, because you and I know that at some point you might need the money, right? Well, that's why if, if everybody who's listening to the show, I assume, at one point or another, either will or have or have had or did have or something... A retail account. Okay, so if if you have an account at PTI or Merrill Lynch, notice how I made those equals, Kyle. Uh, <laughs> the uh, and you have a thousand shares of IBM, and it's down a buck yesterday. Guess what? Your equity's down a grand. Right. I mean, duh. I mean, it, it, it's just the way the world works. You, you, you're priced at yesterday's close. Well, now I'm reading this article here about these guys that they the bank took these sales sell bonds at a one billion dollar loss. Now, my point, Kevin, if I'm the the regulator, oh God, I hate to use that word plus the, the thought of me being a regulator, I, I want that that loss on your books last week. I don't, I, I'm not going to wait for you to sell it to think that you're down $1.8 billion. You're down. Yeah, this is, this is uh, you know, this is all part of the organized scam. I mean, you look at you look at what happened during the 08 and 09 time period. There was one of the, the articles I wrote, more more scathing examples. I mean, people seem to think that this kind of nonsense is new. Okay, the kind of thing that you know that went on with these with this video. Uh, you know, last time I checked, if if I'm a private party and I happen to have even a private party, not not an arm of the government, but a private party. And I have some kind of evidence of of a crime, uh, and there's there's a prosecution to be brought. Whether I whether my evidence is on the government side or whether it's on the defendant's side, uh, if I get subpoenaed, I got to turn it over. I, I mean that's the way it works. Well, it's the way it should work. Well, it's the way it's supposed to work, right? Yeah. You can't just say, "Well, f you," and if you do do that, you go to jail. Because that's contempt of court. You have to turn this stuff over. We used to get that when I ran MCS. We used to get subpoenaed. We'd have to, you know somebody that's, that's trading pictures of somebody diddling someone they're not supposed to, and all of a sudden, uh, the next thing I know, there's a you know there's a process server. Yeah. <laughs> and, and by the way, the guy who the, the the funny thing about it was during that period of time. I don't know who does it now with ISPs, but the 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 most common was the customs service. Really? And well, and, and apparently because most of the stuff's international, okay, so you know that was the reason that they were the ones that usually showed up with an administrative subpoena. They wanted you know all records. Da 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 da. First time one of those guys showed up at the front at the front desk, uh, the, the chick that was behind the counter about had a heart attack. She, you know, oh my God, yo, boss is going to jail. No, I'm not going to jail. They, yes, they yeah. want me to give them something. Yeah. <laughs> And, and uh, you know, and after the first couple of times, they're like, "Oh yeah, another one of those." But uh, that was the, the thing is, is that people don't understand. That, you know, that's but the idea that this kind of stuff gets obstructed, and then you have, you know, you have this that's going on. Anyway, back to what I was saying: oh eight, oh seven, oh eight, oh nine time frame. Colonial Bank reported earnings, and a month later they fail. The FDIC comes in and takes them over. Um, BB and T bought them bought the wreckage 
from the FDIC. And you got a, probably a spectacular deal. Oh, no, you'll love this. So BB&T, of course, as soon as it's announced, their stock takes a hit, all right? Because, hey, wait a minute, what are you doing buying this bankrupt? <laughs> you know, these guys are bankrupt, for crying out loud. Okay, so BB&T, to diffuse the potential impact of this, and this was during all the turmoil, they, they had their guys go in and basically price the portfolio and uh, you know and, and the FDIC of course was involved in this too and that was what they paid for it okay it was the present value uh, which which all of a sudden ain't that bad of a deal because now all of a sudden BB&T gets to be bigger and uh, and they get these assets at their current whatever their current value is here's the amusing part of it in the space of about three weeks the portfolio had lost a third of its value no it didn't no it didn't that didn't happen over that period of time. It already happened. It had, it had happened quite some time previous. All right, now who went to prison for falsely stating what that stuff was worth? Uh, nobody. Nobody. Yeah. And, I have, and I have people a, think I have this stuff's new, Chief. It's not. No, no, nothing's new. I mean, I, have a, I actually have a question for you regarding uh, this colonial situation. You probably don't know the answer, but when... Um, it used to be, back in Dud Day, uh, if, if, if you saw a, an outfit that had a bunch of losses, you, you could buy the place and use the losses, correct? Uh, yeah, there's, I mean, there's but, that, but that changed. That, but yes. But that pretty much has changed. In other words, if, uh, if, if there, was a, there was a company that just had this horrendous something, something, God knows what they had, <laughs> whatever, they had... They'd, they bought a piece of property, and there was there was a you know bad bad something on the property, and they had a they lost a lawsuit for a bazillion dollars or something something. You could actually buy the company, and the, and the loss became yours that you could use going forward. And they they uh, sort of stopped all that. I'm going to say in the in the mid '80s or something along right. those lines. You couldn't just buy a place. Yeah, I, I believe I believe uh, that when who took over Countrywide was it Bank America or. Somebody. Um, well, I don't remember who to. But well, well, I think it was that. either Bank America or Wells Fargo, one of the two. I think they got a double secret uh, rule passed on some bill that they that the the people that took them over. And I'm not so sure about the people that took Merrill Lynch over, but but there's a couple of those firms that people just they ask people to take. Maybe Bear Stearns too. Uh, were actually able to use those losses going forward. Yeah, that does none of that surprises me. I mean, I just. <sighs> But, Carl, I guess the question, we're five minutes away from the numbers, we're going to break a little early so we have them, but there's there's always, we're, we're talking about people, and people don't change, that's why once in a while I still read a, a Greek tragedy, because guess what, thousands of years ago people had the same problems we have now, right? Right. We, we haven't changed. And, and and I know when I was on the SIBO the, the board, and it was, it was a great learning experience, and there was, you know, for the most part, terrific people, although there were some issues. Uh Stuff just kind of percolates. There's a, there's a smell in the place, or, or as, uh, as the guy said in Casablanca, Claude Rains, the, the political winds are blowing from Vichy and I blow with the wind, or something like that. You know, you could, just, you could just sense that if you were in regulation, you didn't go after one of the firms where, the, where one of the member firm guys sat on the board and walk in the next day and say, by the way, this, this firm's broker did nothing but illegally cross five things last week and they ought to be in jail. I mean, you, you just didn't do that, you know. I mean, I, right. I, I suppose if it got bad enough, you know, the people there were honest enough where you would have done something. But when you see this percolating across uh, the, 
the federal government, the, the state government. And, and in the meantime, and I, I honestly believe, Carl, because I, I was privy to a lot of these people, okay, because my dad died, my uncles were served in the war and so forth. I mean, they, there was a believer, a belief among, I'm not going to say every American, because we had crooks, we had bad people back then. It's not like, you know, it was Andy Griffith days, but most people honestly believed that, that your government was a group of people setting laws and doing stuff to make things okay for most people and that there was a way you had to behave that if everybody behaved elsewhere, like if everybody if everybody speeds down the expressway at 100 miles an hour, you're going to have carnage. There was a reason why, you know, this, this, the uh, speed limit was 90 or something like that. And if there was a, re- a normal reason for it, and and by the way, if you didn't like it, your job was to put somebody else in office and change it to 95 or something, but you, just, you didn't, didn't just get to go 110. But that, that all that has changed. I mean, if somebody walked in here and had a problem with me, I'd say, God, what about all these people I talk about all day? I mean, it, it's reached the point where ev- everybody feels that everything that happens to anybody is now you're singled out because it's, it's the, the, the amount of carnage that is all over the place is, is to the point where, it's be- where we become totally immoral on the whole mess. No, nobody equates the law with morality. Or, or, Chief, or, or, Chief, we just went through... Okay, during the last couple of years of Trump's administration, we went through, and, and to start at Biden's, we went through two years of riots. Yeah. Every time someone was aggrieved, okay, and, and real riots, burning, arson. Arson is supposed to be one of the most serious crimes you can commit because there's always a possibility you're going to kill somebody when Without you commit a doubt. it. Yep. All right, and yet, how many people went to prison? How many people are doing 20 right now for having been involved? And that stuff was everywhere. It was all over the country. It wasn't in one city. It well, was we got a many... war zone. You and I could sit here, if we had two minutes before this stuff, we could probably name 10 to 15, with your help, companies where people bought up a generic drug and raised the prices that it's absolutely a felony and not one person has ever... Whatever level you look at, you look at people rioting in the street, you look at corporate yep. malfeasance, there, there isn't anything anywhere unless you happen to piss somebody off. Anyway, right. SP Futures up down 8 and SP Futures down 5. Be right back with these numbers. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to factor in the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other life decision. Your brain is smarter than your gut, and that's why you owe it to yourself to read Luckbox. We've made it easy because Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with timely, actionable trading ideas and equips you with savvy investing tactics you don't already know all while exploring how to live your best life through music spirits food sports travel fitness and a whole lot more luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on controlling their financial futures it's for overachievers and alpha types who don't buy into wall street's investment gurus it's for mavericks who believe in life luxury and the pursuit of happiness it's for you smart investors don't bet on possibilities they play the probabilities luckbox is 7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Hello, this is Tom Howard, the Chief. We've talked a lot on the show about risk and suitability, about how your portfolio should match your age, income, and risk appetite. 
It's been hard for investors to maintain that suitability in the last several years due to a Fed strategy that has driven interest rates to virtually zero. You may have even heard that the Fed was trying to drive conservative investors to a riskier portfolio on purpose, for whatever reason. I'm sure you are aware of investors that took some increased risk, such as longer-term fixed-income securities, and are now unhappy with that choice. At PTI, we have always stressed total portfolio risk awareness and tried to minimize chasing returns in a tough environment. Well, now it looks like maybe interest rates are moving more towards historical levels. Everyone needs to be aware of what that continued movement might do to your portfolio, both good and bad. We also have a stock market that seems to have stalled, at least for the short term. I think it's time for everyone to take a serious look at their goals, their risks, and their portfolios. Do they match? If not, we can help. We have a signature protected index program. We have ways to hedge against interest risk. We can make that portfolio right for you again. Go to PTISecurities.com or call us right now. The market can change very rapidly. That's PTISecurities.com. Interested in promoting your business to a high-end audience comprised of entrepreneurs, traders, executives, and the everyday business person? Consider advertising on Stocks and Jocks. With a devout listenership covering the Chicago market along with a vast online presence, advertising on Stocks and Jocks may be just what it takes to put your business over the top. For more information, contact me, Matt Weber, at matt at stocksandjocks.net. That's matt at stocksandjocks.net. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Well, Rock Bank, Stocks and Jacks. I'm tomorrow. Andrew on the board. SP Futures up 7. NASDAQ Futures up 40. Make that 50. Make that 40. That's how fast stuff is moving. So we won't go through the European stuff because it's all over the place just like this. Uh, Andrew, if you don't have anything in the crazy weather or traffic, we'll just go right to Carlo. We've got uh, 311,000 people uh, versus 225. Unemployment rate is actually up to 3.6. Labor participation rate 62.5 versus 62.4. So that's that's ticked up a, a tenth of a percent every month in the last four, which actually, if, if it's legit, is really good news. Uh, we did find another uh, 150,000 people in the in the world, which is the normal number. Last month was the million two, but I'll let... What do you think, Carl? I'm looking at the wrong report here, I know, but what, do you, what are you seeing? Well, uh, the unadjusted is right up the middle for a February. Um, I've got a... I've got 1.021 million uh, ads which is a little it's a little light it's it's light it's light by 100 maybe 200 from where the historical averages are for february's but it it's not bad the problem there's there is a problem though right at the top line and i haven't dug into the the further down tables but that problem is that uh, essentially all of it 958,000 of it came out of the not labor force right so when I look at the, you know, I look at this report, what I see is uh, none of the people who came in, none of the new ads to the labor force, um, you know, the, the general addition of the population that happens every month, uh, none of those people are, are represented here. This is all in the people that, uh, that you know, that we're not uh, looking anymore and now all of a sudden are. And this is and this is actually kind of, it's it's rather fascinating because the uh, uh, that number is uh, uh, you know is not uh, not all that horrible, but it's not all that all that great either. And that and the run rate, uh, the twelve month run rate, uh, is is actually down uh, two hundred two hundred twenty five ish from last month. So. Uh, 
that's uh, that's that's not the kind of number you want to see. It, it does. Show, I see softening here, not a huge amount of it, but I do see it uh, in terms of the uh, the overall growth rate. Now, did you are you still on uh, taking the position? Not that you're you're betting on a horse here. Are you still taking the position that all the the layoffs that we heard about six weeks ago are going to be the next month's number? Um, no. Well, I saw a bunch of those in the in the data tables internally. Okay, and and that's this is this is very interesting because I, you know well we've we, when you took your turn there I scrolled down a few to table A four. Uh, there you go. And and. Uh, what we've seen here on the on the non-seasonally adjusted is that uh, this month there has been well essentially all those jobs that got picked up they all got picked up by people that hold bachelor's degrees or better they good everybody else, everybody else was flat or lost ground okay now those would be all the people in those tech companies oh, no, okay right? explain to me if you can explain to me Lucy uh why now that that level of detail actually what I'm looking at right here on A one, which is the, 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 the Luddites page, these are all household surveys. Now Right. But but the the three hundred and eleven thousand number that they post, which is the establishment survey, nobody has any idea where those people are, are college or not, right? Right. That's just that is all that is is the you know, they they survey employers. Right. Okay, so they don't they don't ask, uh, you know, they, all they ask is how many people are you employing? What's your workforce? We, okay. we got one of those calls one time when I was running MCS. Well, you're the first guy I'd ever known never got a call for either what radio station you listen to, what TV station you listen to, or or that one of those. I never know anybody's ever got a call. No, we got one one time. It was it was just you know it it supposedly is random. Well, I guess it was because you know it only happened once. Yeah, one month we got, we got a phone call from from the folks at the BLS. They just would, and all they wanted to know was the total number. What was our full time equivalents? What was our FTS? Are you still? Um... And the chick at the front desk, by the way, had no clue what that was, so she passed it back to me. Well, yeah. <laughs> um, hey, uh, you, your ears must have been burning this week because I said, my friend Carl. Now, when we talk about the unemployment rolls, I mean, I I recall when. Well, this is God, how many years ago? We're counting decades here. Whenever we got laid off from Pullman, and I was we used to call it working for Uncle Jim, Jim Thompson, the governor, right? right. I only got a check from like four months because I four months, four weeks, and I got the job back. But um, in those days, you're supposed to keep telling people, however long it was, certainly while you were getting the check, that you were actually looking. Do right. they, do they still? The minute your check stopped, do they assume now that you're not looking? I think they do, don't they? Um, I assume that that's uh, you know I assume that's the case. There's uh, the unemployment thing is a little complicated because the states administer it. Okay, so I mean this was you know this was part of the goat rodeo that went on when the COVID stuff was yeah, going on yeah. because my my daughter got forcibly ejected from her job because they were forced to close. She worked at a gym, and they were forced shut. So and then the state of Florida. Uh, their system was so screwed up, which was where she was living at the time. Their system was so screwed up that she literally couldn't get online to file. And and part of the problem was she had been laid off before. She worked for a restaurant a, a number of years earlier, doing you know very mundane things. She was much younger. She got laid off, 
And uh, because they closed, they went out from under her. So she filed because, you know, why not? And by the time that everything went through, she'd found another job. And so, you know, she never got any money from it. But as a result, they had her in the system. And and for whatever reason, their system was so screwed up that it wouldn't take her application. She ended up having to physically go down to the post office and get a piece of paper and file it. Well, worse things could happen. We still do it all the time, you know. Well, you know what? That would have been okay, except it took six months for her to get oh, the yeah. money. I seem to recall that I was back to work before I got a check, but they still sent me the checks for the four weeks I was out. No, well, she did. She, yeah, she got the money eventually, but fortunately she had the cash to be able to pay her rent. Well, well what in these numbers today are causing the bonds to all of a sudden scoot way up here and the, and the, and the interest rates come flying down? What am I missing here? Well, I you know that's a good question because what I'm what I'm seeing here, all right, is first off all those all those gains came in the people that had bachelor's degrees. So all those all the screaming about tech layoffs. Well, guess what? Those guys went out and they they found jobs. Okay, statistically, I mean I'm sure some of them that didn't, but statistically speaking, they all did. Uh, what I what I'm going to be very interested in is is some of the changes that we have in this disability status which I've been tracking now for quite a while um, and this is this is pretty bad because we've got uh, 600,000-ish uh, run rate of additions on that in the uh, non-institutional population uh, across the last 12 months. This is Feb 22 to Feb 23. Okay, now that's, that's, that's not a good number uh, but there's a much worse number and that is among employed people the the percentage change is considerably higher. Now I'm not happy about that. That's a very that's a very bad number. Why would that be in the what you know? Well, we all know what a lot of employers mandated, right? Um, but the percentage change rate normally is the other way around. The people who are not employed, that are not looking, that are out, uh, they tend to be less healthy. That's just the way it is. I mean, if you're less healthy, you're less likely to be employed, right? I mean, that's well, yeah. you know, that's a pretty basic logic here. Uh, so normally, this this statistic has always run the other way, and uh, and now it's not. And I'm I'm looking at the delta, not the totals, but the deltas across the last 12 months. It's very bad. Uh, but as far as what's actually spiking this thing right now. Uh, good question. I, I'm, uh, you know, I'm looking into here. I, I guess maybe people are thinking because the unemployment rate ticked up two ticks that this means that Powell's not going to hammer the the rates higher. Well, there's nothing. Assessed. I mean, there's nothing in there that uh, there's nothing I see in this data that says that. Okay, but I think that's what people in the market may be thinking. Well, when I when I entered my first class in macroeconomics at Notre Dame, how many bazillion years ago? First thing, first class, first day. Professor said this unemployment number really sucks. It always has <laughs> as a number. I don't think that's changed. Uh, we're at the risk of breaking out into some positive news here. The last four months has shown an uptick in this uh, participation rate. And I think, Carl, you and I would agree that if that number were to get in the mid-63s versus the mid-62s or the low-62s where it has been, a chunk of our deficits slash entitlements, those kinds of things. If you get another 1% more people working and 1%, which would be 2% less people not working, all of a sudden a lot of this stuff would start to change for the better, I'll say reasonably, rapidly, wouldn't you? I mean, is there any chance 
that the four the four months where it's uptick in one a month might actually be a trend, or is it just a BS? Well, number? well you're looking at the you're looking at the adjusted numbers. All right, okay. BS. Yeah, which is crap. The 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 unadjusted uh, employment participation ratio is sixty point zero this month. Last month it was down three ticks, which was an anomaly. Uh, or they was, adjusted it up to sixty two point five. It's a big adjustment. Well, well guess what? Sixty point zero, and it was at sixty point zero in November and December. It was at sixty point two in October. Sixty point one. Yeah, sixty point one, sixty point two, uh, all the way back to May of last year. All right. So, so I so I pulled out the flat. one. I pulled out the one stool that said good news, and you saw the leg off. I'm I'm sorry, I just saw two legs off saw the two stool, legs so it falls over because the uh, it's been at sixty point zero plus or minus a couple of ticks since uh, last March. Oh, and these guys got it at uh, sixty two something since last March. How do you how do you adjust that number up two percent? Well, uh, you go to Illinois where it's legal to smoke weed. <laughs> and you stuff a bong full of the best bud you can find, and you and you suck it all down, and then you that's that's the number. Wait a minute, can you buy? A, you can't buy hash at a weed store, can you? I've never been to you a weed store. Buy all sorts of interesting things now in the legal states. There, yeah. If you want, if if you want uh, very high uh, concentration stuff, uh, that's that's smoked in glass pipes and stuff like that. That's that is available in those states at this point now. If you, you have no experience with such things. Doing that would probably be a really bad idea because you'd be flat on your butt in about ten seconds. Well, I know my uh, my buddies used to get the uh, the hash once in a while. And they had the, the little tiny cube, and you break a little piece off and put it in your hash pipe, and they were all yeah. Happy. They 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 they're a little more refined these days, but you can get the you can get a much more refined version of that. And it's uh, yeah, this uh, the legal weed states are real interesting. It's it's kind of like being able to buy you know some states you can buy one fifty one, and in others you can't. What's what's one fifty one other than one hundred fifty one proof booze? Okay, oh, I know that. Rain alcohol. I was going to say, I, I know, I know what it would have meant in booze. I, I didn't know what the equivalent was in hooch. <laughs> oh no, no, I'm talking about booze. Oh, I yeah, mean, there's yeah. some states where one fifty one's illegal. Oh, yeah. You can't have anything over like one hundred and five proof or something like that. Well, what's Everclear? Like one eighty or something? Well, no, Everclear's supposed to be yeah, well one ninety yeah. is Everclear. But there's plenty of states where you can't buy one ninety. It's illegal. You know, there used to be a, a Mexican restaurant here in Chicago. They used Everclear instead of tequila. Oh my God! Yeah. <laughs> How many people were, were crawling out? Uh, you the know door what? We had one. we had people. I mean, I don't know. I don't know how they didn't get somebody killed in car accidents. I mean, it, it was up near Wrigley yeah. Field. It, it's still there, so I haven't been there in so long. So here's a so here's another interesting here's an interesting thing inside this data, which I <laughs> I don't think I like this. Um, so uh, hours worked is down a tick. Okay. Now here's the here's the interesting aspect of that. So total private average hourly earnings were up eight cents to thirty three oh nine. Okay. Now of course these are average, not median. Hello. Let's let's play with statistics, right? But the average weekly earnings were down seventy cents ish because it went from eleven forty two fifteen to eleven forty one sixty one. So uh, people. <laughs> There's no inflation, but we're taking home less money. Well, do you ever, uh, I know you do, but do you ever talk for somebody who works at, the, I happen to know a guy who works at a Wendy's, uh, maybe even even in some of the Walmarts, I don't, know, I don't know if they all do this, or I haven't talked to anybody there in a while, so maybe I'm, I'm accusing falsely, but the 40-hour week is not sacred. If they're slow that week, oh, oh no, 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 and, and actually, for all the part-time, every, everybody that uses part-time workers, when Obamacare came in, 
the the destruction that was served up on there because of that 32-hour rule for employer-provided health insurance. Oh, yeah. I, they, they won't let anybody over 28 because if you, in a, re, in a smaller retail environment, if you have somebody that calls in, you need to be able to put somebody on that double shift, okay? And if they go over 32 hours, they get penalized. So you had, essentially, anybody that didn't have a 40-hour job uh, it never has more than 28 anymore, and that that was going on all the way back to when Obamacare was first enacted, and it's and it's totally screwed the people in that end of the of the economy. I mean, that's that's horrid. Colin, but, in um, the uh, in the way these guys, and I know somewhat your attitude, but you, but you will, uh, I'm sure you'll be nice here. Uh, one of the most interesting classes. I mean, if you, if you had a decent education, or if you have decent parents or uncles or whatever. Whenever you do something, somebody is going to ask somebody who has a brain cell working. Even if you're 10 years old, you say, well, I'm going to go out and do this. Your right. uncle or your dad or your mom's going to say, okay, if you do that, what's going to happen to this over here? Or what's going to happen to this? I mean, that's how you, you teach people to think, I think, is you right. ask questions. Oh, yeah. And uh, I think a lot of the population, their parents don't necessarily do that or, or the teachers don't do it or something because they don't seem to have any idea that, no person can do only one thing. Whatever you, know, whatever you do, something squ- uh, squirts out something else. But one of the classes we had was in designing co- uh, executive compensation packages. Uh-huh. You'd have to sit there. This is back when you know people were paying you know basically bonuses based on quarterly results and stuff. So somebody, everybody'd go home and they'd have to design a package. And then you'd bring it in, and the professor, he'd pull one of them out of the pile, and you hoped it wasn't yours. <laughs> there's like 20 people in the class, and they'd read it down. All of a sudden, 19 hands would come up, so you know whose it was. Oh, man, that, that sucks. The guy's just going to do this and be a sleazebag this other way. And, and it, was, it was an amazing, why, why don't, when these, when these kind of laws are written, why don't, somebody has to know, or, or do they, are they so anxious to get it out the last minute they don't have time to sit around for a weekend over a beer and say, okay, if we do this, what are people liable to do? Chief, they don't care. No, they just don't care. I guess that's... They just don't care. I mean, you know, you look at, you know, people are... The market seems to love this report, right? Yeah. I, I'm, I'm looking at this table in here, B3, from the establishment. Well, we're down data. 75 yesterday. We're up 16 today. I don't know how much love that well, is. Well, all right. Yeah, all right. That's fair. Uh, but leisure and hospitality, right, which is the, the low end of the totem pole on wages, right? I mean, when you look at yeah. the categories, that's the those are the people who don't make a lot of money. All right. Their average weekly earnings were down almost five bucks. Now, in an inflationary environment, you're telling me this is a good report for them? Oh god, no, no. I, I, you know, ex- excuse me. The price of everything is going up, and by the way, your check is going down. Not in, not in real value, in actual dollars. Well, by the way, <laughs> I, 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 yeah, I haven't talked to you uh, in a week. Uh, my. I know some people are out uh, essentially messing around with uh, new cars, right? right? Or new cars to them. And the dealers they were in, I mean, the dealers now all have a finance person for repairs. Oh, nice. I, I, never, I never even dreamed that would happen. <laughs> I, you know, it, it, I thought it was bad enough when everybody just whipped out the credit card, right? Yeah. Well, if I you're mean, now, now, they're actually, now they're actually writing loans on this. Well, if, you, if, your, if your credit card is... Uh, if so it's declined. So, so does that mean the... the they can re- repossess the car for not paying the repair bill. Well, yeah, you ain't got you know what if you ain't got the twenty five hundred bucks for that transmission, right? Well, without a doubt, yeah. 
Right. So, uh, you know, and by the way, you don't have $2,500 available in credit line on your MasterCard either. No. So, yeah, I could see where they're doing that. And, oh, well, you know, oh, but then you, you can't pay that bill, and all of a sudden your car's gone. With the new transmission in it. With the new transmission, right. <laughs> <laughs> well, what, I mean, I, as we talk on the show all the time, and it's, it's so bizarre, I mean, I, I don't, I don't have to become the constant person who's criticizing everybody. I listen to Biden. And I, you know, and I will criticize. Well, let's put it this way, Carol. I, the, the thought of those two guys running for president again. Oh, good I, Lord. I, I almost want to find out if there's a spaceship to Mars or something. I just, what, what, am I, what are we doing here? But I, All I know is that my liver is, is you know, is going to protest if such a thing occurs. Oh, me too. Me too. Uh, mine too. We'll have to get some, uh, some kind of a liver cleanse or something. Anyway. The, uh, but I listened to Biden the other day. Now, the dude, I'm looking at last year and this year. I don't know if I still have it up here. I don't think I do. But last year and this year, he's talking about how much he's dropped this budget deficit. Oh, he's, he's you know, that's such, uh, I don't know where that weed's coming from. Whatever he's smoking, it's, well, it's, it's, it's down, a lot stronger than what you can legally It's down buy from it. the, the, the COVID's worst days. We get that part. Well, yeah, okay, big but deal. But this year, it's almost double last year for the first four months. You know, his, the, the, this budget proposal showed up the other day, and and you know he's well. Everyone over four hundred grand, they're going to put another um, was it another two percent on the Medicare tax. Yeah, this is this is their you know their idea of okay instead of being two point eight, uh, it's it's going to be close to five. I think it's close to five percent or something like that. This is, this is essentially what he's doing. I haven't dug through the entire proposal yet because, of course, you know, all we got right now is all the news clips that are coming out. We don't have the actual text. No, um, I, I've read most of it, and it has to do with you know nipping the corporate rate. But, I, 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 but you know what? But you know what? Here's the so here's the problem with this. Okay, Medicare and Social Security are both already progressive systems. When you the first dollar you put into Social Security gets you more back when you retire than the last dollar when you get up against the cap. Sure. And and when you exceed the cap, you don't get any more. If they were to lift that, you wouldn't get any more in retirement. You just pay more. All right. The same thing was true with Medicare in that what you pay. So part of part of Medicare is paid by your premiums. You know your premium that you paid in in your employment tax. But what you pay for the other parts depends on your income. So if you have a decent income, you pay a lot more, two or three times as much for that for those other components of Medicare. And so there's all the progressive nature of this is already there. That we already take care of people that don't have a lot of money is. is, is it's already in the system. Well, they, now, all of a sudden, he just wants to penalize people because they make a decent li- living, but well, they you get could, nothing uh, back for it. Maybe next week we'll we'll talk about this because one of the, but I have another one. One of the dudes on CNBC yesterday actually have a, a pretty interesting dissertation and in what exactly the tax proposals change. But I actually did some uh, some work about a decade ago, Carl, and and uh, Medicare and Social Security. And I found, uh, I read you know stuff from a bunch of people. I found that that is one of the single biggest uh, benefits. I mean, actually, there's a book that was out. Uh, welfare is really for the rich, or is not is not for the poor or something. 
And if you read it, it's it's absolutely spectacularly, in my mind, correct. When everybody thinks of welfare, you think of the guy without a job getting a, a you know a check right. when you go out and buy marijuana or something. But in, in fact, the list of stuff, I mean, the, the chances of uh, somebody, quote, on welfare at age 35, at age 75, demanding two new knees in, in, in uh, Medicare are, like, non-existent. And one of, the, right. one of the single biggest things flat out is, is richer people generally live long. I don't know if that's the truth anymore after the COVID and all the other distress levels, but at this time... Richer people generally lived a lot longer, so they got way better, way more money out of Social Security than poor people because they died earlier. I mean, it was it was pretty. It was a po- totally different point of view than welfare is only for people who, you know, I shouldn't be giving money to. Anyway, but uh, the you know, so I mean, there, there, there's a lot. But actually, with the dude on CNBC, this is kind of the uh, I think the important part we should talk about for the few minutes we have left is he says it shows a you know, an amazing change from. Since people's income is not going up, we can't get any more money out of people's income. So right. we're going to shift over to their wealth and their investment income. And actually, if you look at what this guy, like I said, I haven't seen it spit out, written out, but he, he obviously thought he did. And you know, he's one of the guys at CNBC is pretty good. He says right now they want to raise the rate on capital gains. Right. Plus they want to put a 5% tax on investment income if you make over something per year. So your actual your your investment, your gain on capital gain, could be as high as forty four percent. Right. Well, that's well, the, yeah, because it's it, it, the the Medicare thing. You, you know, one of the things that Obama did, Obamacare did, was was lift the Medicare cap entirely. So then all of a sudden you had to pay, you had to pay Medicare tax on every dollar. Right. Okay, which was not formerly true. No, um, without a doubt. But that was one of the things that that came from that. So, uh, you know, being beyond the cap uh, for a long time, the way it worked out was that when you got beyond the cap, you were beyond the cap. Uh, well, you know, then there was the split cap, and now there is no cap on Medicare at all, uh, which, uh, you know, okay, whatever. But the thing is this. You, you are an individual. You you consume health care you don't consume five times as much health care if you make five times as much money um no but no i mean there is a limit where that stops right chief i mean you know maybe if you're if you're well off and you you know you're you're well doctored if you will maybe you consume twice as much well i mean you could i don't know we, we could we could we could go down this this road. I'm going to say that it's not a hundred times as no, much. It's no, no matter um, what it could be. I mean, I I know people that are 75 years old that are getting organ transplants at the best hospitals in the country, and I know that nobody from Pilsen is getting an organ tra- organ transplant. Well, okay, there's there's a lot of ge- right, there's a lot of game playing that goes on. Obviously, well, I mean, the guy needs a heart. I'm not saying it's a game. It's just I mean, what right. people have the game. He needs a, he needs a heart, but you know, it's supposedly there is no you know there is no way to buy your way to the front of the line. Go talk to Steve Jobs' yeah. oh, uh, God, yeah. Oh, yeah. corpse about that. Right. The uh, the reality is something different than what we're what we're told. Uh, I think there's but but here's the thing, you can't solve the federal funding problems. Without breaking up the medical monopolies, um, you can't do it. You know, you know, you, you know, you can solve the federal funding problems right now, Carl. 
Mm-hmm. And I can't, I cannot believe, since I saw this happen in the '80s with the um, the inflation the way it was, and people eventually getting cost of living increases and jumping up four and five and six tax brackets. The right. single biggest winner in inflation is the government. Now these guys. And I don't think that maybe maybe somebody there is smart enough to put all this together beforehand to be this sinister. The government is essentially through throwing money into the system has doubled, all right, not doubled, has driven the high price of houses and stocks, bonds, you name it. Well, bonds are coming down up fifty percent. Right. Okay. So if they now take, but you haven't made any money. Right, you didn't make anything. Right, you didn't but make that, anything. But, a, but that goes into your basis. But people and don't then you believe get that. Taxed on it. Yeah, but people don't believe that in stocks because obviously some people have stocks and some people don't. So right. the people who do obviously did way better than people who don't. So I guess there's there, there's relative income there. But other than that, but let, let's forget that piece. Let's say you and I were in the remodeling business, and two years ago we bought a house at two thirty five, and now it's worth four hundred. Well, right. If, if if we're living in the place. We sell it. We got to buy another one to four hundred, right? Okay, but now if we sell it, the government wants forty-four percent of it. Who, Correct. Who, who just made out on this deal? Well, yeah, not you. No. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, that's but that's the creep like that is where is you know is where the problem comes from. But I look at the, I look at the trends over long periods of time, and I've been screaming about this thing with the medical system since the nineteen nineties because I saw this coming when I was running my company and what was doing to us with having to buy health insurance and and essentially you know we were the group negotiator right for the people who worked for me and I said these trends by the time we get to about 2025 this system's going to blow up and the federal government's going to die because it can't pay for it so then you know now well gee the actuaries seem to agree with me they say that the, you know the money's going to run out in about two years and then the only two options you've got left are for Congress to say the general fund can fund this program. In other words, the breach, the, the line gets erased. There's technically, there's a line there right now. Well, guess what? When all those treasury bills that are being held by the actuaries, once they've been redeemed, you can't do that anymore because there's no more there. So, oops. Oh, well, that, but there's a tax there as well. Okay, we got a dash here. Well, of there's course. A, there's a tax there as well because if you ever have gotten a bill from somebody who's on Medicare, it's like Twenty percent of the cost other people are paying. Well, but it, yeah, but you know what? It's not allowed to. Here's here's the thing that's interesting about that. You do you do know that with Medicare by law cannot cannot pay below cost. Right, but it's but it's if you've ever gotten you know I, I see these bills. But, but chief chief, the twenty percent. What does that tell you about what the price ought to be for you and I? I, I I'm getting it. And what, I, what I'm saying is they they are offloading that tax on other people. No, some, they're just pocketing it and screwing everybody else. Well, I'm saying if if the list price for an MRI is four grand, and, and Medicare pays four hundred, and it covers the cost, anybody else who's paying two grand is essentially subsidizing the Medicare guy. No, they're not. They're well. No, they're not subsidizing the Medicare guy. What they're doing is they're subsidizing the nine out of ten employees within the system that never deliver a second of care to well, a single I, I, person. We, 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 you and I both know the cost thing, but I'm saying that two price structure. They're still getting their dough because the other people are somebody's paying it. Oh, I, oh, I understand yeah. that. But the but the point being that if you stop this, 
then the crazy cost escalation goes away throughout the system. And guess what happens to the people who don't have to pay it anymore? Now they have money to spend. Right. And what do they do with that? They run businesses and they generate taxes. Well, without a doubt. All right, Carl, we got a dash here, buddy. Good stuff. Uh, boy, w- we didn't exactly cover everything. We got like lots to talk about next week. Anyway, uh, imagine you know, that. that's good. We, but we got the employment report, and that was the that's you know right. we got most of that stuff. That's right. S and P futures up five. It's almost down to back uneven here, uh, break even. Nasdaq down fifty four. So we've been all over the place, but still positive. Uh, back on Monday, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks is brought to you by PTI Securities and Futures. Go to ptisecurities.com. PTI Pro Direct. Trade for as low as a penny per share and a dollar per option contract. Learn more at ptiprodirect.com. Nadex, offering an intuitive way to trade the financial markets. Visit nadex.com. Home Source Realty. Call Audrey Johnson at 708 349 3456. Hamzi Analytics. Listen to Fari Hamzi every other Thursday and visit hamzianalytics.com. Cairo Med. Back or neck pain? Schedule a complimentary consultation by calling 708-403-2727. DAX Research. Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call 1-800-821-4968.